0: Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm your host, Sean Smith, founder and editor of GoBigBlueCountry.com, joined as always by my buddy and co-host Derek Terry of the Cat's Paws. Derek, man, this is uh, this is fun. We got some football games to talk about now.
1: Yeah, no gloom and doom this episode. We're, we got, a, we got a, a tangible, real schedule we could hold in our hands if we wanted to print it out and look at. So this, that was exciting, Sean. Before we get into breaking down the UK schedule, what did you think about the way SEC Network just handled that? I, I loved it
0: week by I week. Was, I was a huge fan of it. At, at first, I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to like this, but it, it allowed us to sort of get our stories ready week by week. It wasn't, I didn't feel like I was scrambling. Uh, you could sit there and sort of digest week by week what was happening, and honestly, I think that could be the way the schedule's release, or at least for SEC games, for now on. Like, I'd, I'd be cool with that, even if they go back to the 8-4 format. If that's how we debut the SEC schedule every year, can you imagine what their ratings were just then? I bet Big Ten country, all of them were tuned in, just to see how this thing's going to unfold.
1: Yeah, obviously everybody in, in the South was probably watching just then. And then probably the only thing that's really competing with the 9 is, what, the NBA bubble? I think they started the playoffs. But besides that, you're not, in the South where there's, what, just a few – Pro teams, you got New Orleans Pelicans, and uh, which I don't think they're even playing anymore, are they? And no. then uh, you get the the Hawks, are on the only team I think like I don't know if there's even in, any NBA teams in the South playing besides like I guess the Heat still. So you shouldn't have had too many people uh, watching that if they really care about SEC football. I gotta feel like all eyes were, were on the SEC network tonight.
0: And it was a, I mean, it was a great, well put together. The the people that they had on, the people they given week by week, they you know pick games that really stood out. So I mean, we have it. We haven't. We have an SEC football schedule, Derek. And after everything that has happened over the last four to five months, just to get to this point, feels like a win in itself, honestly.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I think that helps too. That the case that they're going to play. I mean, before I uh, think somebody tweeted out that if they didn't send that schedule out, maybe it was just you know a deal where they were still saying they're going to play for a show and whatnot. But now that you, you have a schedule, you know these teams found out earlier today who they would be preparing for. And maybe they already knew. Uh, Maybe they found out before all the rest of us did. I'm sure they didn't find out too long ago. But, you know, you're looking at about five weeks, maybe, five, six weeks before the first game. So at some point, Kentucky uh, will will begin preparing for Auburn. But it was exciting. And And I think UK has a schedule that, breaks down fairly well. Not not an easy uh, you know, gimme schedule by any means, but also not one that I think you look at and say, Man, that's such just brutal. I don't know how they're gonna be able to handle that. So all things considered, I think it definitely could have been worse for Kentucky.
0: It it could have been and I like how it sets up. You know, the the episode prior to this, it's kinda of wild. We're recording both of these on Monday, so we've been busy. So Cole Cube would come on and you know broke things down and I, I think that People will enjoy that episode. If, if you're listening to this one and you haven't listened to that episode, everything he said in that episode—it's—it's it's not old news. It's still uh, up-to-date content. We we talked a lot about that Kentucky Auburn matchup. Like we didn't know it was going to be Week One. I was predicting Tennessee, and then the SEC comes out, Kentucky Auburn, and Derek. Let's start with that. Let's start with Week One, and then after that, I'll go through and say each game on the schedule and location. But it's got to start with Auburn. If Kentucky, if we can get to that September 26th game, I think that that is one of the most, I've seen some people say it. I think it's one of the most intriguing matchups. One, because it very rarely ever happens. Kentucky's not been at Jordan-Hare in how many years? It's, it's at least 11. I think. Oh, 09. So oh, 09. Kentucky won there, actually. Um, honestly, I think it's a very good week one matchup for Kentucky.
1: I think in the, in the, considering the whole slate of the SEC that weekend, when I'm looking at it right now, it, it's the best game in week one. I don't know that the TV people are going to deem it as the best, but from a competitive standpoint, I think the only one that's even somewhat intriguing, maybe Mississippi State and LSU. Uh, maybe. Although you would think LSU would probably run away with that one. And then Tennessee and South Carolina play it. That's, that's, that could be an, an interesting matchup week one, but – I think the two best teams, though, playing each other, it's going to be Kentucky and Auburn. And perhaps for Joey Gatewood, that whole situation, maybe it makes it a little less likely that he uh, would go back and and really light up his former team. I felt like a scenario on the original schedule where it was like the fifth game of the year maybe would have given him more time if if it came down to him needing to play. As it is now, though, you're going to go into week one and – there's not going to be any risk of it. Well, I mean, I guess there's always a risk of injury in camp, although you don't see that a ton from quarterbacks in preseason camp. Those guys almost always stay healthy until the first game. So you would think that's going to be Terry's game pretty much throughout. So maybe it lessened, you know, it takes away a little bit from the Joey Gatewood angle. But at the same time, I like that they get Auburn that early because Auburn's going to be having to figure out uh, its new offensive line. They're, they replaced four starters from last year's team. They're, they're only returning guys their center. And then the defensive line, they lost their two best defensive linemen. So, UK is going to be better in the trenches than, than Auburn. And it's, I don't know how many times we've been able to say that throughout history. Very rarely. But for this year, that is the case. Now, Auburn's got some really nice pieces, bow necks, kind of some differing opinions on him, depending on who you talk to. But he's got the pedigree, a five star recruit, SEC freshman of the year on the offense last year. So, he can play. But. I think that's a game that you you kind of take for your first game there because I mean you can really make a statement that game, Sean. If you go down to Auburn, you win that game, you're kind of saying right away that you know all this talk about UK in the off season, it, it's it's legitimate and they're gonna have a chance, especially with uh, two winnable games uh, the next two weeks after that.
0: And I'm not even gonna entertain that that game's gonna be played on anything other than a national network, ESPN or CBS. One of those it's gonna be on one of those two, in my opinion. Uh, great matchup, and I I like the Joey Gatewood angle. We still have no idea what's going to happen with his waiver, Derek. I mean, we could get one or two games into the season before we know something on him. We've seen that happen in the past. You know, last year was uh, uh, Xavier Peters. So we just got to play this thing out and see. You you would think though that possibly Kentucky will know something some at some point in fall camp. Uh, like you said, there's still five weeks. And you know, Cole actually talked about that with us on the previous episode about the, the Gatewood angle. If they get him, then they have a physical quarterback. Uh, Derek, even if if he's not the starting quarterback, let's just entertain the possibility that they have Joey Gatewood in that game. What did what would that do for Kentucky as a team to go into Jordan Hare with a guy that was on that team last year? I mean, does it get does Kentucky have an advantage at all with some Saki maybe going into that playing for him and? If he, does, if he is eligible, I guarantee you there will be some stuff in the playbook with some short-yarded situations where he would probably get some run opportunities.
1: Oh, yeah. I think if Caleb's eligible, he's going to play in every game. I mean, unless Terry is just unbelievable. But I think with a guy like Joey, his size and what he can do for you running the ball, especially with Terry coming off his injury. I mean, if you want to do some of that quarterback run stuff, yeah, Terry's going to need to be able to do it. But at the same time, if you have a guy like Joey backing him up, He's probably a better runner anyway, so why not use him in some of those things? And he can throw the ball. So that's just another element of the offense. But I don't know how much it would really matter. I think it would mean a whole lot to Joey. And maybe maybe even for Auburn it might give them a little bit more of an, of an advantage. These kids all typically seem to to really support each other, I think, even, even when they transfer. So I don't know. I, I wouldn't say there's any bad blood, none that I've ever read anyway, between Gatewood and Auburn. But at the same time, you know, if you're an old-school guy, Gatewood did kind of leave the team in the middle of the year last year. I think after, like, the sixth game, he just transferred. He just left school, and that was that. So you could say, you know, if you're someone who defines it that way as quitting or whatever, I don't define it that way. I mean, he he did what was best for him, I feel like. So, But if you have a different opinion, then maybe there will be some guys on Auburn who are looking forward to doing that. And Maybe there's a motivating factor, though, for Bo Nix if, uh, if Gatewood is on the other side because he came in there and beat him out. Uh, Bo did and took that job and Joey left. So a lot of motivating factors for a lot of guys, but at the same time, like you just mentioned, he might not even be eligible. We don't know yet. For everybody who thought that they were just getting blanket waivers this year, another case tonight shows that that's not true. And that's Cade Mays leaving Georgia to go to Tennessee. He got denied his initial waiver. So Tennessee's got to appeal that and we'll see how long it takes for that. But a lot of guys, I mean, it's just so hit or miss, Sean. It's it's dumb really how – There needs to be some transparency with that because basically if you're a quarterback, which you think would favor Gatewood, we'll see. If you're a quarterback, it seems like all those guys are getting approved. And then, you know, Kate Mays did transfer before the pandemic started, but at the same time he left Georgia after, like, his dad had a lawsuit right against the school. He he did. So you you would have thought that would have been a pretty good case for a kid gets immediately eligible, but it didn't happen, so we really don't know how it's going to play out.
0: No, we don't, and I was actually going to bring that up, so I'm glad that you did bring that up. I thought that was some big news that probably gets covered up with the schedule release that would have been the big story of the day in the SEC because it did look like there up until that point that everyone was getting a waiver regardless of situation. So now I do think that not only – I guess it sort of makes you wonder about any waiver, probably even on the Kentucky basketball side. Who knows uh, how they make these decisions, but let's go through – The schedule. I'll I'll name out the matchups, and then we'll break them down in segments if you want to. We'll go like three games each. So, of course, Kentucky at Auburn to start the year. And then it's Ole Miss and Mississippi State. The Mississippi State – the Mississippi schools back-to-back weeks coming to Kroger Field. And then they're at Knoxville on October 17th. Really intriguing matchup that early in the season that I I will get to when we get to that point. And then it's Georgia and Lexington, and then it's at Missouri – And then there's a bye week there, November 7th. And interesting, that is the last week in the entire SEC schedule where any team will have a bye week. From that point on, those last four weeks of the season, every one plays. So then following that is Kentucky gets Vandy in Lexington after the bye week, and then it's back-to-back at Alabama, at Florida, before a home game with South Carolina to close the schedule. Derek, I guess before we break everything down, when you look at the whole thing, what are a couple things that stand out to you about those about those 10 games?
1: Uh, in terms of difficulty, there's no question that at Alabama and at Florida back-to-back is, is going to be very difficult. And because of that, I think you go into that game hoping that you've already taken care of business against the teams you should beat. And those teams, in my opinion, that you should beat are both Mississippi schools and Missouri. So it's three wins and the teams that you know, you, you'd like to think that it's not an automatic, automatic loss when you go to Knoxville, although it kind of has been since 1984. They've lost every single year down there since then, which it'll be different this year. No fans, things like that. It's earlier than it normally is. So some different factors there. But, you know, the bye week comes late. I mean, they, they join, uh, looks like LSU, Ole Miss, and Missouri are the other teams. Oh, and Auburn and Alabama. So half the league, I guess, or two, four, well, six teams. So, it's, it's a late bye week, but at the same time, you need to start well. That's kind of the thing I'm looking at, because if you are 2-1, and one, if you do lose at Auburn and you go to Tennessee 2-1, and one, like, I think you're going to need – that's a pretty big game at that point. It's going to be a big game either way, but it's a really big game. And perhaps there's a possibility U.K. loses to one of the Mississippi schools. So, if in the event that you're 1-2 – well, while we're throwing out all scenarios, maybe 1-3. I don't think they're gonna be 1-3, but if if they do go 1-3, then like that Tennessee game becomes very, very important. But I'm gonna say at the worst they're at the worst they're 1-2, but I think most likely they're 2-1. Beat Tennessee, you're at 3-1. I don't think they're gonna beat Georgia, so you're 3-2. But if you beat Missouri, you're after that Georgia game, you got Missouri and Vanderbilt before you got the brutal brutal road schedule at Alabama and Florida. So Tennessee's a really big one, but. I like. I think it sets up pretty well uh, because I think they'll be Vanderbilt in South Carolina on the back end. So two of the final four, you should win. And if you've done some good things before that, you could be seven and three. And who knows how many losses or whatever every team's going to take this year? So at that point, maybe you're still in consideration uh, for the SEC East. So I don't know.
0: Here's what I like about it. If if they get off to a hot start you know who you have in front of you at the back end at the, of the schedule. So let's say that they're in contention to win this thing. And you know sitting there to close the year, you've got two East opponents, Florida, Georgia. So let's just, just get through Alabama. And let's let's say it comes down to a game in the swamp, Kentucky, Florida, to decide the East possibly. I mean, that'd be really, really interesting, really intriguing. I mean, We've seen what that game and that win has done for Kentucky in the past when it's been early in the season. I think having it late in the year almost makes it even more interesting than it ever has been. I know it's always one of those games, those first games we look at, and we're like, okay, is Kentucky a contender in the division? This changes things up a little bit. I think that's actually the most exciting thing about this 10-game schedule is it's flipped everything on its top. I mean, Tennessee in October, I don't know. Like When I look at it, I can see a case – where Kentucky wins seven games, Derek. I really think there's a chance, or who knows, if they pull an upset or two, if they go off to a hot start, I mean, maybe eight wins. I don't know. I mean, we're going to break that down here in a minute and pick game by game. But obviously the toughest stretch is the close. And me, me and you were texting throughout the the show with us on SEC Now, and we were saying just don't get them back-to-back. We were like, if there's a split, you know, if, if they could go to Alabama and then Vandy – then Florida, then South Carolina, but it's back to back there. I like where the Alabama game is just because of who they have before it. So Kentucky plays Alabama on the 21st of November at Alabama. So Alabama's matchup the week prior to Kentucky is LSU and then Auburn. So I like that that matchup sandwiched between two rivalry games.
1: Uh, Yeah, that's a great point, Sean. I mean, you look at Georgia. Georgia's another team that starts off with Arkansas, but it gets much tougher after that. They play Auburn, Tennessee, and Alabama before they play Kentucky. So for UK, you know, it's a home game anyway. You're getting them. Obviously, Georgia's got incredible depth, but that's a pretty brutal three-game stretch right there. Uh, two rivalry, well, kind of rivalry games. Uh, certainly two rivalry games with Auburn and Tennessee, but then Alabama while not as much of a rivalry. Still, two maybe the two most talented teams on paper in the league playing. I mean, who knows how exhausted they're going to be after that three-game stretch? That's going to take a lot out of them physically and mentally, I would say. And Kentucky gets them at, at that point, and you know, UK will be coming off a, a probably an emotional game against Tennessee, but also don't think they will would have gone through the same wear and tear though that Georgia's going to be going through up to the, up
0: to that point. Yeah, I mean, I think that was the thing that we were waiting to see was where where these games were placed, the order impacts everything. And I I know you sent me a list earlier today of the 10 games and you ranked them, you know, from difficult to most difficult, to least difficult or least difficult to most difficult. One, one of the directions you went with it. But so you, you had that. And then you said after that, of course, this could change when I see the order that they're put in. And I'm sure you're going to sit down later and sort of rank those and everything. And that might be something that we do on a separate episode. But when you, when you look at that, I mean, obviously that has impacted because obviously Florida-Alabama is a back-to-back stretch. I mean, you, you don't get any tougher than that unless it could have been Georgia and South Carolina's spot. Uh, but just overall looking at the schedule, I, I think Kentucky's draw is fair. I think it's fair from, from beginning to end. You, you knew the way it started that the back end was going to be loaded. But, Derek, I think the thing that I like about the schedule the most is does this change possibly – those permanent dates that we've seen in the past where Kentucky would play Florida in early September, does this maybe flip it back to how it was in the nineties and eighties where Kentucky would get Florida. Cause if Kentucky's going to Florida in November this year, I think it'd be cool to see Florida come to Lexington in the cold in 21 and then Tennessee in September, Kentucky to me, growing, growing up a Kentucky fan when I was a fan, Getting, getting Tennessee late was always a disadvantage because they always had everything figured out. I think we've seen that in the past few years too. They've always had it figured out by then. If Kentucky could have got Tennessee early where they were struggling and everybody was beating them by 30 or 20, who knows what that record would look like in that matchup. But it seemed like that they always had a disadvantage when it comes to that. So I, I hope that that's what comes from this new schedule is maybe we just get rid of those permanent dates where – somebody's in September or somebody's in October. Maybe keep the rivalry dates the same, but do some things and mix it up a little bit.
1: Yeah, let me let me drop some, uh, some facts right here, courtesy of John Play of the Herald-Leader, who might have tweeted this. I have no idea. I texted him earlier today. And for you fans who have some years under your belt and uh, have been watching UK football for a long time, you, you probably already knew this. Sean, uh, I don't know if you even knew this, but the last time UK played Florida in November was 1991, and that was the year before the league expanded to 12 teams. But prior to prior to the league expanding, UK played Florida in November for 25 straight years. So that used to be when it was always played, and that's something that, you know, they started playing them earlier and they never changed. But I, I'm totally with you. I, I think it would be much more intriguing to switch those games around a little bit instead of knowing every single year that you're going to play Florida first SEC game of the year or, I'm sure that's how it is for most teams. And uh, to switch it up like this, I, I love it. I mean, I, I think it's great that you're going to get Tennessee in October. Uh, you know, you probably – when was the last time they played Tennessee? Uh, you know, I guess they do some year, like late October. I, I don't remember them ever playing them top – obviously no. they've not played them top four game of the year, like that they are no. this year.
0: It, in South Carolina, too. Ending the season with South Carolina. Never, it might be something in, in yeah. Hill. I that? mean, it's – that's so – I think that's another thing that's just exciting about this whole – why not? You know, 2020 has been so weird. I mean, it's been weird from top to bottom. Why not make it just even a little bit more weird? You know, do some things out of the box, and I like this. I mean, you're – I'm sure if we got into the schedule and looked at it, we could find the same scenarios play out with some of these other teams in the yeah. SEC where they're they're playing some games in different spots. It it was – they did still try to keep some traditional things. Uh the Iron Bowl and stuff, it, it's not the last game of the season, but they tried to make it as close same as they could. Yeah. And the same day, uh, LSU, Alabama both getting a bye week before they play that game. I mean, that's a tradition that's been in the SEC for a play while
1: Tennessee now. Alabama still playing the third weekend, right, of October?
0: They are, yeah. Well, yep. no. Yep. Yeah, it is. So. Third Saturday. No, it's not. It's the fourth Saturday. Yep. The fourth, yeah. But it's around the date that it probably right. yeah. is somewhere in that range. If, uh, But, yeah, I, I just think that that's interesting, you know, seeing how they do this, and hopefully maybe it, it continues and you get to see this sort of stick around with changing things up. I know I know Kentucky's played Mississippi State in September, but then this year it was going to be in November initially, so it was it was cool to see it. But now it's back to September or uh, October now, <laughs> so it's back to the early part of the year. But uh, just a lot to unpack when you look at the schedule. And, Derek, I'm sure over the next few episodes we're going to have – some things come to mind that don't come to mind tonight that we're probably going to want to touch on, but let's let's look what, at this. What would you have
1: thought about real quick? What would you thought about having Alabama first versus Auburn? Well, would you see a scenario where you'd rather just get that game out of the way, and maybe you get in a scenario where, you know, maybe Alabama's not quite settled on a quarterback because there seems to be kind of a prevailing thought that. Okay, Mac Jones might start the year, but before too long, it's going to be five-star Bryce Young who takes over. As, as I look at the schedule now, I think you would have to expect Bryce Young to, if he's that good, you, that's probably UK is going to see. Versus, if you would have played them first game of the first game of the year, you would have had that Mac Jones angle that uh, you, you might not get now.
0: And you you could have caught him early. I think that was another thing that I guess if it's not where it is, then I would have preferred it to be first if I had been. A coach at Kentucky staff, but then again, I guess on the the flip side of that, you get a game against a team, a quality team, a, a big name program in the SEC. And you mentioned this earlier when we opened the show. It's a chance to make a statement right out of the gate in week one. I, I guess what does more, you know, is getting Alabama out of the way or beating a good Auburn team on the road at Jordan Hare. I, I don't know. Like I, both arguments are are good there. Uh, I, guess, I don't know. It's just when you unpack this thing and you look at it.
1: I guess the only thing I'm thinking is like
0: I don't think they're going to beat Alabama,
1: so I don't think you're going to be able to go 4-0 after the bye week, whereas if you did have Auburn there, I <laughs> think it would be possible you could go 4-0 after like the they bye did,
0: week. Like they closed this past year on a high note. That is that is a good point because I guess when you – okay, I'll, I'll leads me into this. With only a 10-game SEC schedule – How do we judge how well they do this year? And I think closing the year, how do they close? Like if they get off to a hot start and then they stumble down the stretch, do we feel the same way about this thing overall as what we would? You know, because last year to me, the the thing that makes it stick out even more, like you said, how they closed on -hmm. that winning streak. If they'd beaten Tennessee, it would have been, what, a five-, six-game winning streak to end the year? Because they won four straight to close the year and they had beaten someone before Tennessee. Georgia would have been the
1: last loss. So it yeah. would have beaten Missouri, Tennessee, T. Martin, uh, Louisville, Vermont, and Vanderbilt.
0: And yeah. Virginia so Tech. So yeah, would have been six. So I guess that's one way to look at it is how do we digest what or process what becomes a successful season. So I'll ask you that before we get into everything. Ten games, clearly if there, we don't know the – What's around a bowl season? We don't know that yet. I I guess that's something that's going to have to be played out. Will there be a national championship? Will there be bowls? We just have to wait and see because I don't know. Have you seen anything said on that? I haven't seen anything. No, I haven't. So I'm assuming if there is bowl games, I've actually had this question quite a few times. What would be bowl eligible? It would be five and five is how I take it because it it would be 500. If it's six and six with a 12-game schedule, it makes sense for it to be a five. And five, because back in the the day when it was eleven games, six and five was the mark. So would they change that? Because six and four, are you going to have a lot of teams bowl eligible at six and four? I don't know. So, but that's that's stuff that we'll have to wait and see what happens. Yeah. To me,
1: I think what would make the season a success is beating the teams that you feel like you're already better than in the in the pecking order, like. To me, you have to beat Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, and South Carolina. So, and Vanderbilt. They're not, they're not, I think I not already mentioned them. So that's four when I'm looking at. It's it. four teams you you
0: must beat this year. Well, but year? If, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: Well, I'm I'm saying if you want. To be viewed, though, as more than just kind of a middle-tier team, which I think UK is right now, and there's nothing – I mean, for UK to be considered a middle-tier team, that's just pretty good for, for its history because most of the time it was considered as a bottom feeder. So they've moved out of the basement for sure. They've not won enough games, though, to really be elevated consistently. They've not won enough games consistently to kind of be viewed as more than maybe a potential dark horse here and there. So, like, this, this kind of year, you know, you need to beat an Auburn or a Tennessee. I think for sure is, you got to do that to be, be better. And Auburn's a great opportunity, like we said, it's first game of the year. If you do that, maybe it's how Florida was a few years ago where it opens everything else up for you. Um, I don't know. Like, Alabama would be a huge stunner. I don't see that happening. But Florida, I think, is winnable. And Georgia. Georgia's the only team in the East that Stoops still hasn't beaten yet since he's been at UK. And you get them at home this year, and like I just mentioned, you get them after they're on a string of pretty tough games. So to me, you're gonna have to win like one or two of those games where people were gonna say, "Man, that's that's kind of surprising that UK was able to pull that one off." And if you do that, I think that opens up a, a seven and three type season, which I think would be phenomenal. I mean, what they five is like the most they've won, I think, ever.
0: Yeah, that was. And you're gonna the, get two and Yeah.
1: Yeah. So anything more than five wins, I would say, you know, you beat a, you beat some quality teams, and it wasn't easy with the schedule. So to me. That's what you're going to have to do. If – and I'm not saying 5-5 five and five would be a bad season. I don't think it would be. You're going to have some fans who wish it would have been better. But don't lose the teams, though, that you should already – that you think no. you should beat anyway. And, and find a game here or there that, that you find a way to to win that maybe people don't think you should win it.
0: Yeah, 5-5 f- five and five seems like the mark where we would be like, okay, if this were a normal year, Kentucky probably would have went 8-4 and four in the regular season. So with a chance to win a nine, nine with a bowl.
1: I'm sorry. Missouri was a team. I I knew I was leaving somebody off. was Missouri was the other team I was trying to say. That that, that gets to the five. Sorry for cutting you off there. Oh, you're fine. I I just really confused myself whenever I was looking at the schedule. (laughs) There's so many teams in this graphic.
0: I look at it this way. If they win six, if they go six and four, I think it's a great year. Yeah. I, I really do. Just because you win, like you said, you beat the teams that you want to beat, And then you could lose to – then that means you've beaten one of Auburn, Tennessee – oh, no, Auburn, Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama, Florida. You've beaten one of those teams if you go six and four. So then it just depends on who that game is. I mean, it's a good win. And I think that even if this had been a 12-game schedule, we were thinking that for it to be a special year, you probably had to beat at least one of them for it to be a good year. But I I just look at it, Derek, and I have a hard time really picking – like. I feel confident that this team could go 7-3 and three with the schedule if they get the first one. To me, that's the most one of the most important games on their schedule is to get off to a hot start just because what follows it. You stay at home for two weeks against the Mississippi schools. You go to Knoxville, and then you're back home again. So you're talking four straight weeks that the furthest you travel is a trip to Knoxville. I mean, you get nope. the benefit of staying close to home during a pandemic. And, I mean, you're not traveling to Florida or somewhere like that out of the gate. So just looking at the schedule, I know this is going to be hard because we're, we don't know what's going to happen. Like, obviously, Cole said it on the podcast on the previous one, COVID-19 is going to be a factor. There's going to be positive cases with some of these teams. So we're going to have to see who's available, and then you've got to factor in injuries. Looking at this schedule, let's go week to week and let's make our project, uh, projections and predictions for those games. So we'll start at the top. September twenty sixth, Kentucky at Auburn. What do you think, Derek? Oh boy, <laughs> it's hard.
1: I think uh, I think they can win. I don't know.
0: That's a swing. Let
1: me hear you. Let me hear you first. That's it. <laughs>
0: That's a swing game to start the year. You don't say that often where you could swing a a season one direction or the other. I look at it like I looked at the Florida game in 18 and what it did to Kentucky's season when they got that off their back and then it propelled them, that start, that hot start. I think Kentucky goes to Auburn and wins. I've I've just looked at that game since it was released. They're going to be a double-digit underdog in that game. I saw someone put it out to – Someone put it out today that they were the, the early line. I think it was Brett McMurphy retweeted. It was uh, minus 11 in favor of Auburn. I just feel like Stoops, this team's got, you know, Cole said it best. This team is, you even said it earlier. They have an advantage in the trenches on both sides. I think they're going to out physical Auburn. Uh, the quarterback situation, of course, with Bo Nix. If Bo Nix is incredible, it's going to be hard to win. But, I mean, who knows? We, we've seen sophomore quarterbacks before in the SEC sort of hit a slump in the past. Uh I just think Kentucky wins on the road at Auburn. Uh, We don't know what the fans are going to be like. It's obviously not going to be a packed house. If it were packed, I would lean a little bit more towards Auburn possibly winning. But I just think you've got a hungry football team with an experienced offensive line, a quarterback in Terry Wilson, who it's going to have some rust. But I just think that they're going to just line it up and just ground and pound first game of the year. And I I think Kentucky, Bob, maybe a field goal.
1: Yeah, I feel like it's going to be a low-scoring type game for for UK to win that one. I don't think you really want to get in a shootout, but I agree. I think I'll I'll lean towards UK. Very close game, though. And if you lose that one, really no shame. I mean, that's going to be – I think Auburn's going to have a pretty good year, but I'll I'll go with that for this. But I do reserve the right, though, to change my mind. (laughs) Because I'm sure we'll go through this one more time before the season starts. But initially, I think it's a winnable game, and then – just moving on to the next two without too much debate. I'm going to say they start three 3-0. Yeah,
0: I'm, I'm going with you there. They they win both those games at Kroger Field, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, unless there's just something crazy happens. But I like the way that they sets out, up. Though,
1: with, with those first three, Auburn maybe to a lesser extent, but Auburn did hire Chad Morris in the offseason. So there's going to be some different things about that offense that they didn't really get to go through in spring. And then those next two teams, both new head coaches. And to me – Maybe I'm putting too much for a premium on stability. I mentioned that in the other podcast, but I, I think that is really a good time to catch both those teams because they're just going to be getting settled. Ole Miss plays Florida the first week. That's probably a loss. And Mississippi State plays LSU. That's probably a loss. Mississippi State also plays Arkansas, so they might be one of one coming in there. But I think that's a good time to catch those two teams right there with, with new head coaches really early in the season.
0: I think so, too. That's a, that's a very, very good point. Uh, you got two – Two good offensive minds, though, in Kiffin and Leach, that it's going to make that in, interesting, exciting matchups. Uh, Ole Miss I, beat I, Kentucky yeah, I the bring last time one Kendall Exeton.
1: I, I think Ole Miss is actually like one of the more sneaky, decently talented teams on the schedule. Like Hugh Freeze is pretty good at cheating. I mean, a lot of those kids are gone now, but <laughs> they had some real talent there. And, like, uh, Ely, I think, at, or Early, one of those two, I forget his last name, at running back, a five-star running back was electric last year. I think you'll see more from him. Don't know who Kevin's going to go with that quarterback, but you got some options with John Reese Plumley and uh, Matt uh, Corral, who is more of a drop back, but he had kind of that five-star pedigree too as a recruit. So I think they're decently talented, but their defense is going to be brutally bad, I think, this year. And because of that, I, I think UK at home is going to be able to win that game, but it could be a pretty exciting matchup again, just like it was back in 2017.
0: So we're both agreeing that 3 no that's what we'll yep. go with right now. Okay. okay, well let's go straight into Knoxville then. Uh so we'll take the the drive down I-75 there and into Knoxville on October 17th, Kentucky at Tennessee, a place Kentucky hasn't won since 19 is it 84, I think was the last yep. time before. I I think so, somewhere around there. Uh Derek, Derek, I'll start I'll start with this one. Um I've been sitting here going back and forth. Out of these next two, Tennessee, Georgia, I think Kentucky loses one of them. I'm going to say Kentucky beats Tennessee in Knoxville this year. 2020 has already been weird. Why not get a little even more? Why not get even more weird? It's, it's, I think it'll be disappointing just because there won't be 108,000 people in the stands in Knoxville to see it. But I don't. I just feel like that when this team lines up and they see Tennessee on the schedule this year, I mean, Mark Stoops has to be getting kind of ticked off that they keep losing games to Tennessee when they shouldn't lose to Tennessee. I think that Landon Young, Drake Jackson, that veteran offensive line, I think that there's a lot of guys on this team that they want to win in Knoxville. And what, if you're wanting to accomplish something in a weird season, that'd be one of the best wins of the Mark Stoops era, regardless if people are or not, just because it hasn't happened in Tennessee.
1: I think that's where we're going to differ for the first time. I've taken the stance on Tennessee and Knoxville that until they actually win down there, I'm going to have to <laughs> not pick Kentucky. I took that – I think 2017 was the breaking point for me with Florida. I think I picked U.K. Like, I didn't pick them in 16 to win, but I think I had picked them in 15 and 17. And the 17 game, when they found a way to lose that one, I was like, okay, this is never going to happen. They're just not going to beat Florida. Got to deal with it. Um, we were talking about earlier how big of a game that was for Kentucky, playing Tennessee. Looking at Tennessee schedule, I mean it's a really big game for them too because it's yes. uh, sandwiched in between Georgia and Alabama. But I think Tennessee will probably be two and zero playing Georgia. That's a game in and, and Athens, so that's an important game for Tennessee. I, I think talent wise, the two teams are similar than probably Tennessee fans would want you to think. Uh but like I just said though, and it's until I see it, I just have a hard time picking UK to beat Tennessee. On the road, so I'll put UK at three and one after that week. Or, and
0: yeah. and if that and if that scenario plays out, three and one's not a bad position to be in. Oh. Uh, I don't know. I'm just riding. I'm riding here. I'm, after that win against Auburn, I think if they get it, I think they could ride into uh, Georgia with some momentum. Now moving on to Georgia. So we return to Lexington, Kentucky, and Georgia. Derek, regardless of what happens in this matchup, I'm going to step out and say that throw out the year that Kentucky probably should have beaten them in 2016, I'm going to say that this one's going to be the most competitive game of the series since Mark Stoops been at Kentucky. I just feel like that this will be competitive. I'm going to pick Georgia to win just because with a 10-game SDC schedule, you're going to have one here or there, regardless of how well you play. I think you're going to lose some games. But I think that this could be a touchdown or less in Lexington, I, I was going to go with it being a competitive game, regardless of whether it was fans are in the stands or not. How do you feel on that one?
1: I know this is kind of a year, and again, if I'm going to knock some of these other teams for not having stability, I, I need to do the same for Georgia because they hired Todd Monken in the offseason to be offensive coordinator. That They had some real issues last year on offense. Uh, still managed to have a really good season, but they weren't – they never really felt quite like an, el- like an elite team, if that makes sense. Like They were, they were good. And they, they won the East pretty easily, right? Only lost to South Carolina in a, in a really stunning game at home. But, I mean, the talent is insane, though. Uh, they might – our 24-7 uh, national site always does – we have a really cool feature on 24-7, the, the team talent evaluator, and it takes all the star rankings or whatever, puts it on the team. Uh, what, what the kids were in high school, and then they ranked them. And I think Georgia's going to have a real chance to be number one this year. And I know games aren't playing on paper, but it's it's a really good indicator typically to how good a team's going to be. And I think Georgia might have more talent on paper than Alabama even. It's very close. So, yes, they, they have to replace a lot of the offensive line. They have to replace Jake Fromm. Uh, but, you know, Georgia recruits so well that I still think this is – put it number two. I put it as a tougher game on my story than Florida. And I know a lot of people think Florida's going to beat Georgia this year and win the East, but I'm still kind of in the camp of Georgia. And getting JT Daniels eligible is just huge. I won't get off on a tangent on this, but, like, how did that kid get eligible and Cade Mays didn't? I mean, like, the the dude's transferred from Southern Cal to Georgia and he's getting eligible. I I have no idea why. Um, I think it it'll be a double-digit loss that game. Could be wrong, but I think that's going to be the first game that you see UK. Like, UK better figure out its passing game by this week. Because Georgia's defense is going to be pretty nasty again, and that's not a team you can just line up against and run the ball. Well, I think that was the only team last year that kept Lynn under 100 yards, right? Or maybe Tennessee yeah, did yeah. too. Uh, uh, he
0: might have I mean, gotten
1: over 100 against Tennessee. I can't remember.
0: And then you look at you know Georgia's schedule. In consecutive weeks, it's Auburn, Tennessee, yeah, Alabama, yeah. Kentucky, and then Florida after the bye week. I I don't I think I just look at it in that aspect of things that it. it that's could, that's get, a good point. I just feel like it could be a competitive game. I, like I said, I'm not picking Kentucky to win it. Uh, obviously, if you lose to Tennessee for some reason, you're going to have to win it if you want to have a chance in the division. You're going to have to win one of those two. You can't yeah. lose both those division games. They're, they they got to go one and one in those two games, I think, to have a chance to, to compete right. for the division. Uh, do we agree that they win at Missouri on Halloween on the 31st? I, I think they
1: can blow out Missouri. I think so, Again. too.
0: Coming back to more stability, right? Is that another?
1: That's another thing? team, yeah. I mean, they—I don't know if they even started. Some of those teams didn't even start spring practice. I think Mississippi State was the one that didn't even start, but Missouri was right up there too. And I'm like, like I kind of give the benefit of the doubt a little bit to Ole Miss, like I thought like they actually have some good players. Missouri, man, I don't know if I can name like anybody on that team who's coming back. They—they uh, they have an open QB battle. Well, uh, a couple transfers who are decently rated recruits, but for the most part, I think it's going to be a really do- a really tough first year for. Old Eli over uh, in Columbia.
0: Yeah, and then Kentucky gets a bye week on November 7th, so you get a chance to to heal up. If if you do have a situation where there is some positive COVID test, you get 14 days to figure it out, and hopefully before you get into the tough end of the schedule. But to begin that, they have a game at home against Vanderbilt. Derek, they need to blow this team out in Lexington. I mean,
1: – That is is going on town. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> I, I'm confident that that yeah. could happen and should happen. So through that stretch, I have Kentucky 7 and 1. You've got them 5 and 2. Yep. Okay. Both those scenarios, if that if both those happen, people should be buzzing in Lexington and in the in the Commonwealth about where this probably, team is.
1: Probably ranked top 15ish I would still think yeah. if the only losses are Georgia and Tennessee and you got a, a win against Auburn under your belt. Yeah, I think I think they'll still be ranked right there at that Good. point.
0: Could be higher since the Big Ten and Pac-12 aren't aren't joining the party, so yeah, you don't know. I mean, you
1: got too many teams to choose from, I guess, for the top twenty-five this year.
0: So I think we can all agree on the twenty-first. And I'm not going to say all you people. Some of you people listening. Oh, you got you, people
1: saying seven at this point. People listening. Yeah, and, and themselves and And you
0: you never know. I mean, it, <laughs> it could happen. I, I'm not going to. I would like to think that we're being realistic to an extent. Uh, I think Kentucky could compete in that game at Alabama. I think that's a game that Kentucky goes in with a chip on their shoulder. They want to show they belong. Like we mentioned earlier, it's between LSU and Auburn for Alabama. Who knows, Derek? I mean, we we don't know what 2020 season is going to hold with COVID and injuries and things. Uh, But I will say Kentucky drops that game in Tuscaloosa. I I don't know with a score. The week prior to that, going into that week, I'll feel a little bit better. Uh, Like I said, these – Predictions could change week to week with us, but this is just the uh, blueprint. So I got Kentucky dropping, and uh, that would be – what would that be for me? Six and two? I think I said seven and one earlier, and I meant six and one. Yeah, yeah. So six and two. Yeah, six and two with two games The thing
1: Alabama and Georgia on these teams, like I'm going to have to see a a real passing threat from Kentucky because you just – UK can line up run the ball down Vanderbilt's throw, they can do that against Missouri. Hell, they can probably do that against Old Miss and Mississippi State, but, like, you can't do that against Alabama. You're not just going to line up and run the ball for 200 yards against Alabama. So if you don't have a really good passing game, and we, that's U.K.'s biggest question mark, I think, on the whole team. Maybe by that point in the year they've established one, and maybe I'll feel a little bit differently. But going up against a, a team like that, you got to be able to be really dynamic both running and throwing. So I just, obviously, I just don't see it happening in that game. And that brings you to a a very, very interesting game, I think on november twenty eighth
0: yeah and if if we're going off what we're doing right now, and I have Kentucky at six and two, I mean you might as well just think that this game could decide who has a chance to win the division i mean if if I have Kentucky six and two, and only one of those losses are is to an in division opponent i mean you're you're talking having a chance to win it, and I'm so stuck on how I feel about this game. Uh, it's late in the season, it's in November, it's a matchup that I feel like Kentucky's had, they should have a three-game winning streak, honestly, in the series. Where are you leaning with that one?
1: I've said since early in the summer, I I, I just don't see where all the Florida love's coming from. I don't know if it's because Dan Mullen's a good coach and this is year three and he's got a quarterback who turned out to be pretty good last year or what. But I, I think, yeah, I mean, I think you can definitely win this game. I don't think they're intimidated by Florida. That's unlike, I don't know how they're going to feel playing Alabama. But I feel like Florida, in their own minds, they they think they're probably just as good as Florida. And they know that they've let some get away here in recent years. So I don't know yet if I want to pick UK to win that game. But it's definitely a game that I think, like most in this series under I think it's going to be right there at the end with a a chance to win it. And who knows, like you were saying, who knows what could be on the line at that point. (sighs) I will probably lean towards loss right now, but would not be surprised if UK won that game.
0: Well, I guess I'm just going to go ahead and just say I think they'll win it. So, so I've got
1: six and four then, because I think they'll beat South Carolina. So one, two, three, four, five,
0: six, and I have them at well, eight. Basically, days.
1: what you're seeing from what I pick, like they need to beat Auburn or
0: they do. Any
1: of those teams really like. It can happen. I mean, I, I might change my mind before once I see these guys play. They might be better than I think. Maybe some of these teams gonna be worse, but still think with what we were saying. If if they go what I predict, I think it's still a great season.
0: I have eight and two by my projections. I wasn't planning to do that at all. I was actually thinking just when I looked at them. I don't know. I just felt like eight and two is sitting there as possibly the best that this team can be. Where I think that it could be anywhere from five and five to eight and two, just depending on how things play out. I, I would probably wager more on a seven and three season than I would eight and two, but I don't think that eight and two is out of the question, Derek. If they if they get off to hot start and they find a way to win some of these games that they have let slip away in the past, like if they win at Knoxville. So if you beat Auburn, who says you can't go to Knoxville and win? I mean it's there's a cha- if they start four and o, oh, they've put themselves in a position to win possibly eight.
1: Well, I mean if they only lose to Alabama and Georgia, they're they're probably winning the east. Yeah. I would say. Because Georgia I mean there there's kinda of like I, I'm still think Georgia's gonna be really good, but like if Auburn loses to Kentucky in the first weekend and they're in a spot where they like it's must win for Auburn or else the season's like going down the tubes, like what if Auburn upsets Georgia? Well, and then Georgia loses to Alabama, like what if Georgia already has two losses by the time they come to play UK? I mean well, and then the four what... after
0: that's what I was about to say. When you look at the other schedules, this
1: is—if they play these games, this is going to be fascinating
0: this well, year.
1: Well, here's he here's
0: out. my thing. Could is there a scenario where Kentucky goes seven th- seven and three and wins the SEC East? Possibly. When you're talking a ten game schedule, because when you look at Georgia, Auburn, Tennessee, Alabama, F- Kentucky, Florida—I mean, you're going to know where they stand before you it think it even anybody gets over
1: can the-, the table this year.
0: I don't I don't see, it, I don't no see anybody going undefeated on either side of the division. Alabama, LSU, I don't see anybody going undefeated. That's where I think that you can get some help. As long as you have to win to me, you have to be good against your divisional opponents this year because you need the tiebreaker. Yeah. Regardless of who you play. Like if if but that Auburn win, of course. I mean you got a chance right there in the beginning of the year to win to go 3 and 0 against the West before you get into playing your division opponents i tell you the uh, one team
1: who I think – I know this kind of sounds like it's all over the place, but, like, it looks to me kind of like Georgia from November 14th on, their last four games are very, very manageable. They finished here with Missouri, Mississippi State, South Carolina, and Vandy. Like, they're going to win all those. Yeah. So if they can kind of push through, and if they only lose one of those games, I think Georgia's going to win the East again. I, I think 9-1's a real possibility for them. But on, on the same hand, like – like I was just saying, if they get upset, though, a game or two, I mean, they might lose three games, but I don't think they will. But, like, it could happen. You know, you play Auburn, Tennessee, Alabama, U.K. and Florida in a row, that's brutal. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you're going to lose a couple of those maybe. Uh, but yeah. if not, but if they can get through that with only, like, one loss, they're, I think they'll win the league.
0: And it should be noted, too, Florida gets LSU. You know, Florida has LSU. They have Georgia. uh a and M. I mean there there's some losses possibly yeah, yeah. there.
1: Just looking out there, Florida's like kinda Florida's schedule's not that tough really, is it?
0: It's not. It's uh you got those two tough games there, A and M, LSU that LSU, I think yeah. that they could lose one. Uh you have Georgia and then you got the back end, uh, Kentucky Tennessee to close the season with Florida. That's an interesting game. They're always that's another yeah. one we were talking about earlier. It's always early in September and now it's in December. So, that's I mean, interesting
1: you, because I think uh, in the September 11, 2001 year, I think they played Tennessee like December 1st that year because it yeah. happened. That was the week that they canceled every game. So that's kind of interesting. That those, yeah, that, that's a good point. I, I, for some reason, I haven't really looked at Florida, but I feel like they might have the most manageable schedule out of everybody. And because you got Georgia and UK having to play Alabama, so that's you know I know LSU is good, but I don't think LSU is going to be quite as good as Alabama this year. So. Maybe Florida's schedule kind of does give them the benefit
0: of the doubt a little bit. It, it does, and it, I just—it's going to be hard. Who was
1: added to their schedule? A and M and or A and Arkansas bet right?
0: Yeah, yeah, because they were playing Mississippi State and Ole Miss, I think. No,
1: LSU, sorry, LSU. sorry, I was
0: looking at—I was looking at Auburn. So I'm, I have this whole thing pulled up, so I'm yeah, uh, crisscrossing here. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this thing plays out, Derek. I mean, from, it's going to change from week to week. I think our opinions will change from week to week. Yeah. How they, It always is like that anyhow in the regular season, but I feel like this year, 2020, it's going to change even more. And we will always give our predictions the day before the game. So some of these things, like we have them losing to Georgia, who knows? We might flip it if scenario happens where half a team has COVID. Who knows what happens yeah. uh, with everything? Uh, but I think that we – Both scenarios, if they go six and four, eight and two, or seven and three, you got to look at this thing as a win. And I think that that's getting to six and four, you've got a chance. Getting to seven and three, you're starting to talk about possibly winning the East and getting to Atlanta. So I I don't know. The only
1: disappointment would be like if you lose one of those games, you feel like you should win one of the five, and you don't beat any of the, like if you finish four and six, basically, I think the only disappointing scenario because at that point you can't say that you you're probably taking a step back actually to to go I wouldn't say it's devastating to go for because I think you can kind of talk your way around anything this year in a pandemic type year things are going to be so different that I think it doesn't end you or anything if you don't have a great year but it feels like if you do have a 7 and 3 8 and 2 type year you can really springboard that and be, if you beat some of the teams that are on the schedule you could have a lot of clout, I think, going back into a more normalized year. So I don't see anything worse than five and five. I mean, maybe maybe they go four and six, but that would surprise me. Five and five wouldn't surprise me. Six and four. I'm, I think I'm leaning towards like six and four as the most likely this year. That's my opinion. I know you said seven and three, but I think six and four, as of today, is kind of where I stand on it.
0: And I'll, I'll stick with seven and three. I think seven and three is their most likely. And I'll go six and four as their floor. If if this team, I, I mean, I guess you have so many things that could factor into it though. But if if ever, let's just go that everything goes as planned, everyone's available. There's not a significant injury. I think that this team has the talent that six and four six and four would be the floor, and seven and three could be the ceiling. Eight and two could be the ceiling depending on if they pull an upset here or there. Uh, but six and four would be a heck of a year with a 10 game SEC schedule. I mean, now you're then you're talking that that could have been a nine and three regular season in a 12 game format. So then you're knocking on the door of another 10 win season. Uh, I think that's how you have to look at this thing this year.
1: I think it's all about Terry. I really do. If he's good and he moves the ball through the air, I think they have the supporting cast every weekend to have a chance to win. I really do. But if you get in a scenario, Like you had a few years ago where the offense stalls and you can't throw the ball. It's going to be hard to even to beat some of those teams that we think are swing games. It's going to be hard to win at Auburn if you're not really throwing the ball that well. It's going to be hard to win at Tennessee if you don't do that. You probably have no chance against Georgia, Alabama if you're not really producing passing yards. So to me, that's the big thing. But defensively, I like what they have. Offensively, you have to love the offense line on the running backs. I mean, there's a lot to be excited about this year. Don't get me wrong, but when you're talking about moving up though in the SEC against some of these teams, it's it's not easy and it's going to be tough to if you don't you know really find a, an adequate passing game. So if they do that and Terry's great, it could be one hell of a year, I think.
0: It could be. And you're I mean you're talking late in the year there, uh, playing games in late November. You're going to Alabama and you're going to Florida. You have to factor you have to think those are going to be warm weather games late late in the year. So cold shouldn't be a problem with those two matchups. And then uh, South Carolina come to Lexington, and Eric wouldn't shock me if, uh, like you said earlier, there could be snow on the ground at Kroger Field in early sure, December. Man,
1: depending on when, uh, when if I, I don't think they're gonna play non-conference basketball games, but I would about guarantee there there's always a non-conference basketball game because it's typically the day of the SEC football championship. Yeah. I think they played what Georgia Tech in basketball last year. I have a little double dip there, and like to know if. Uh, I do play basketball
0: what do you what do you think about this if uh if we do get to travel as a way media I mean we're spending uh Thanksgiving weekend in Gainesville if it works out to that so we're Thanksgiving weekend in Florida.
1: That, I need to change those hotel reservations, that, uh, <laughs> I actually just put that in for Florida not long ago
0: well I, for the first time in a while, I feel really good like I was really jacked up when the schedule came out. I mean you called I called you, and we were like, all right, when are we going to record? So we just went, we went straight into it. so And if it seems like this episode's been off the rails, it sure has been because we just digested 14 SEC schedules uh, in a format that we're not used to. And I'm probably going to end up being invited on a radio show somewhere down the road here because I said they're going to go eight and two. That always happens to me. Uh, somebody wants to come <laughs> on and try to get
1: a call from uh, Oxville here very soon.
0: Somebody, uh, yeah, and they're great. They're, the group that I go on there, they're great. But there are some people that they're like, yeah, they, they thought that they were going to catch me and you know catch me off without some facts. Some people didn't make fun of me. That, that ain't happening to me. I'm always prepared. I mean, if it's eight and two, I'm going to ride with it. I mean, I might have egg on my face here in a few weeks. I mean, as long as it ain't two and eight, I think people forget about it. Uh, but like I said, seven and three is where I'd be the most confident. I mean, I I said eight and two just because I I feel like that. Twenty twenty's already been weird, man. Why not? Why not be the year they get to Atlanta in the middle of a pandemic?
1: Yeah, I mean, before we see any of these things and adjust the environments, I don't think you can rule anything out. Besides the fact that Vanderbilt's gonna be awful. That's like the only thing you can say for sure is that Vanderbilt's gonna be the worst team in the SEC by far.
0: Um, well. They might not let us in if we ever try to cover a game down there again, if They hear that comment. <laughs> oh,
1: they, they've they gotten rid of everybody down there, haven't they? They haven't have. They a have. down there anymore. They've depleted everything. Uh, they, it turned, turned into,
0: a home, turned into a home game. It turned into a home game for everybody anyhow.
1: Yeah, I mean, Vanderbilt does not care about football. They they have made that abundantly clear, and that's a program that with all this money prior to the pandemic that have been trickling in, I mean, it's embarrassing going down there. And there are some people down there at Vanderbilt who I like a lot who work down there and – I think highly of, but they would probably tell you the same thing. Like, they are not adjusting with the times. And I know for a long time you can compare UK to them as, like, the other team who was really bad, but, like, UK's program is, like, he was ahead of Vanderbilt's now. And the, the way that that program's going to be left in, I don't know who's going to want that job. I don't know who they're going to be able to hire when I mean, Derek Mason's gone. It's probably the reason why they kept him there as long as we have is he wants to be there and, shoot, I mean – that should be a game. A few K's on blowing one out by 35, 40 points. That's certainly possible. I think they could beat them that bad this year.
0: Yeah, I do too. Uh, so, this has been another episode that we've knocked out here. So, this is episode seven of Kentucky Daily. It's kind of wild that we've already got seven episodes in, man. We're grinding. Uh, we'll have some guests on in the future episodes to talk about the schedule. I've already uh, sent emails and some texts to a couple people. Seeing who we can get, we're gonna ex- keep expanding our base of guests. Uh, Derek will probably have some basketball stuff here pretty soon to talk about. I'm assuming uh, if if my day, if my Tuesday schedule goes as planned, we will be talking about some basketball stuff on Wednesday's episode. Uh, I'm not gonna send, I'm not gonna say what I'm doing until it's confirmed that what I'm doing. Uh, but we should have some basketball talk. I know we we had a review that said more bask more hoops talk. Trust me. There's going to be plenty of basketball talk on this podcast, and plenty of football. I think that it's not going to sway one way or the other. I mean, no. some shows with some places, not just Kentucky, but other places, they might lean toward one sport. Absolutely not. We love our football, and we will cover our basketball for sure. So that's that's. I think that's the one thing that you'll get from this episode. And
1: yeah, I feel like you can expect. I mean, we're going to go where the news is. You know, we
0: are. We don't really want
1: to have to just pull things out all the time and try to be creative. I mean, tonight, obviously, you're going to spend the whole night talking about that. And One thing I wanted to bring up, and I want, I want to hear from people who listen to this podcast, either leave a comment or DM one of us or email us, the idea of you know having some opposing team riders on, that's something I always like. I, I'm, sure, I'm sure you get asked a lot. I get asked all the time pretty much every week to answer questions about UK for other riders. I think it's a really great perspective, and to be completely honest with you, when we cover UK full time, it's hard to be an expert on other schools. So I think if you if you if you fans are curious and want in depth kind of analysis on other teams during the football week, please let us know because it should not be hard at all for us to find guys who can come onto this podcast and really break down other teams and should I think make you a more informed fan and, and give you a pretty good idea of what might happen on any given Saturday.
0: And two, it it wouldn't be a homer of a program no. either. It would be an you know someone that's going to tell it like it is that's going to be clear cut with the facts and give you a pretty much a, a scouting report on who they're going to play and I, I do think that that's something that we should do and i hope that we get some feedback on that so if, like derek said if that's something that you want to see and want to hear on this podcast let us know cuz that's what we and we'll probably do the same with basketball eric we might yeah. stay along the same lines of things and uh, just we're trying to give you the best content daily Around the UK beat, you got two of us that cover the daily UK beat. We're always going to have the the breaking news, the most updated stories around UK athletics. And speaking of, uh, sounds like we'll have Mark Stoops probably tomorrow for an interview Tuesday. So we'll probably pull some audio from that, some of his key points. We'll, I'm sure he's going to be asked about Joey Gatewood's waiver. I'm sure he's going to be asked uh, about the way the schedule plays out and things. So we'll we'll pull some bits and pieces from Stoops and I'll plug in the audio on the show, and we might just go through that and talk about it with each comment that he makes.
1: Yep. Uh, looking forward to that. I mean, I don't know how how much he's going to give, but it's going to be different like we were talking about. You know, we'll get a couple players tomorrow, but, it, you know, it's going to be tougher, I think, this year to get some media quotes. But we'll, we'll make do with it, and like you said, we'll, we'll have either the key points or maybe some audio from seems tomorrow, but I know you guys are all excited about football starting back. I certainly am, and hopefully tomorrow there's some good news that comes out of it, and uh, we can get this thing
0: rolling. Absolutely. So wherever you're listening to this podcast, if you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify should be available pretty soon. I've submitted all that info. Give us a rating, five-star rating. Tell us what you like about the show. Keep the ratings coming. Get us on the charts on iTunes. This is, a, this is an exciting show. Five days a week we're giving you daily Kentucky content. And uh, as always, thank you all so much for your support. We'll see you tomorrow. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G, because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters.